Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. So Carmen, I uh, met up with another one of our turf specialists um, and talked a little more about our challenge to have environmentally friendly lawns and protect water quality. So Dr. Travis Shaddix um, focuses on soil fertility related to the turf grass industry and also sports turf, which is um, maybe something that we don't think too much about in terms of environmentally friendly landscapes or maybe even think about it you know much at all of whether or not that has an environmental impact. Yeah we probably spent a lot of time thinking about it with regards to uh, does it look nice or or is our team winning? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what Travis starts out talking about um, though is is that you know sometimes we have problematic turf grass around our homes and oftentimes it may be attributed to light conditions, meaning it's too shady to have a lush lawn that maybe we desire. Let's listen to Travis as he talks about having the right plant in the right place. Yeah, so we're under probably, I'm gonna guess, a 100-year-old oak tree, probably more like a 150-year-old tree. It's a massive tree with a lot of shade, probably 95% shade or more and the turf grass uh, is fairly thin, fairly weak, as you probably would expect if you've seen something similar in your lawn. Um, And this is sort of the holy grail of turf grass, this and finding out a way to kill Bermuda grass. If if we can figure out one of those two things, then then we would probably win a a national award. We're not gonna figure out a way to kill Bermuda grass easily, and we're not gonna figure out a way to grow turf grass in the shade easily. Um, we can try certain things. We can raise the mowing height to increase the, the amount of leaf that is photosynthesizing. Uh, we can do certain things. We can apply additional nutrients to help through that uh, light stress is essentially what's going on. But ultimately, the homeowner, and this is my opinion, the homeowner either needs to be content with the quality of the turf that exists under that shade. If they're content with that, then it's fine. There's no reason to really do anything. If they're happy with it and it looks fine to them, um, there's no reason why they really need to do anything else or have someone tell them they need to do something else to it if they're happy with it. If they're not happy with it, um, that's where, like I said, you can do certain things like raise the mowing height, but that's really only going to provide you with a, a, a very nominal benefit in most cases. Uh, the overriding factor is the, the grass, in this particular case, this grass needs a lot of sun and it's never going to get that underneath this tree. So. In most cases, this is going to be the wrong plant in the right place, and we don't want that. We want to we want to try to move more towards using the right plants in right places. And in this case, the right plant would probably be something other than turf. It'd be more of a um, I'm not an expert in ornamental plants, but it would be more of a landscape plant that is more uh, uh, acclimated to low light conditions, such as maybe hostas or certain ground covers that. Um, um, are are not as stressed from these low light conditions. You know, listening to Travis made me think about my backyard where I have uh, lots of trees and my husband actually wants to grow grass back there and we're kind of uh, in a bit of a debate about 
what could grow back there and what you would like to see. And it makes me think about expectations and managing those expectations. Because um, listening to Travis, you know, growing grass under trees probably isn't something that's realistically going to happen. I do think it's a good idea for us to really keep in mind what the surrounding conditions are, regardless of what type of plant we might want to grow, whether it's turf grass or whether it's a shade-loving plant or, or a perennial that really needs full sun. You know, we have to manage those expectations and make it realistic because otherwise, I think we're gonna try to force our landscape into something that it's just not naturally gonna do. When we do that, it often requires more inputs and then that can subsequently have a negative impact on water quality. So the other thing that sometimes might have a negative impact on water quality are excess nutrients. And so, um, you know, we, we know that our plants need nutrients to grow and develop, um, but, you know, determining you know, which nutrients we need is sometimes a little tricky. So um, Travis has a little bit of advice for us. Nutrients are there to help alleviate a stress or to provide an element that is, is limiting the growth of the plant. And so when we apply that, the, the plant growth and quality increase um, where it wouldn't otherwise. So I just want to make sure that people understand that you don't have to go out and apply fertilizers just because it's that time of year and my neighbor's doing it and so I must go, need to go do it and that's what everybody needs to go do. Um, so it's based upon your personal opinion on what you desire for your lawn. In Kentucky, we are very blessed to have extremely fertile native soils and what I mean specifically by that is our soils are naturally quite high in phosphorus, in potassium, and in magnesium. The, the use of those elements in turf grass on native soils in Kentucky is, uh, is almost unwarranted in most cases. In most cases, we do not need to apply phosphorus, potassium, or magnesium or calcium to any of our lawns. It's not, and what I mean by that, why do I say we don't need it? A we know, well, we feel fairly confident that based upon a certain soil test level, as long as your soil test level is at a given number or above, applying, let's use phosphorus for example. Let's say the phosphorus soil test level comes back at, at um, 40 uh, pounds per acre. We're fairly confident at that at that level, there's so much phosphorus in the soil already that applying more is not going to result in any measurable response in the turf. So thereby, it doesn't make much sense to invest in phosphorus and apply it when you're not gonna get something in return. It's like the stock market. If we know for sure that this stock is definitely not gonna do anything for us, then why would we buy it? And so it's the same thing with phosphorus. And phosphorus in particular is a, is a major concern in terms of water quality. When you, when you deal with potassium and magnesium and calcium and these other elements, they're not necessarily items or elements of impairment. They're not, they're not known to, to impair water quality to the same degree, for certainly the same degree as nitrogen and phosphorus will. So, so yes, you can go out and apply all the, all, the, all the potassium you want. It's not going to necessarily impair the water quality, but it's also not going to result in a turf grass uh, quality increase. Okay, so, um, so to kind of bring that all to a, to a head before we go to nitrogen is that with phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, and calcium, do a soil test. If you, uh, 
if you do a soil test and really once a year, once every other year is probably plenty for most homeowners, and your soil test values show that the, the values are greater than the minimum necessary, then you do not need to go and buy and invest in those elements and apply them to your lawn. So Travis mentions that we, our soils are naturally high in phosphorus, calcium, and magnesium here in central Kentucky. And we've talked about this on previous episodes, but just as a reminder to our listeners, um, or if you're a new listener, um, we have um, underlying geology in central Kentucky and in, in many places in Kentucky um, that um, our limestone is already high in phosphorus and calcium and magnesium. And so these are elements that we often don't need to add to our lawns or landscapes because our soils are naturally high in these. And so it's important for us to make sure that, um, like Travis mentioned, we go get a soil test. It's a really easy way to get um, um, an understanding of what is going on in your soil. It's kind of a snapshot, <clears throat> but you know, making sure that we don't just um, go out and put fertilizer on our lawns without some background information. Yeah, and, I, and you can go to your county extension agent to get help with doing a soil test. And the way I look at it is, why should I pay money to put something on the ground that I don't really need to put on the ground? And so I think Travis gives great advice for if you're interested in maintaining your yard or trying to figure out how healthy it is, a soil test is a great place to start. It really is, and having that information um, like we said, it helps us protect our waterways. And, you know, and Travis also um, mentioned that he views turf grass as a sponge. And I thought that was an interesting way, you know, to look at it. Um, and so let's hear him describe how turf grass um, can actually help protect water quality. So when we come, when we're talking about rates of nitrogen applied and, and the concern, uh, and it is a valid concern in terms of the application, how it may influence downstream, literally, not just metaphorically, literally downstream, where the, that nitrogen may um, impair water quality. And so when, turf grass is an amazing, is an amazing plant. It is literally a sponge that covers our, the surface of our home lawns and golf courses or wherever else. It's literally a sponge with roots so dense in the top surface that it is challenging to get nutrients to even move through it. Um, so when we're talking about leaching, it's almost, it happens occasionally, but in Kentucky, particularly with our soils being so heavy, the, the downward movement of nutrients in water is not necessarily as um, of a concern as the lateral movement across the surface, which would be runoff. So, and we have very undulating uh, uh, soils here and, and, and land here. So um, when we talk about runoff, and particularly with nitrogen on turf grass, we want to be very mindful of the likelihood of rain relative to when we're applying the, the nitrogen. So once we determine what type of inputs um, in, terms of in terms of fertilizer that we might want to add to our lawns, it's really important to understand when we should put it on. And um, you know, there's, there's certain things that, that we should remember and mostly that's watching the weather for rain events. If you look at your app on your phone and it says thunderstorms for the next five days and it's the first of September or the middle of September when you think you might want to consider applying uh, nitrogen, don't. <laughs> I mean, the rain alone is going to help uh, remove a lot of the stress that's existing from summer dormancy anyway. The, the alleviation of moisture stress, you're going to see that response in the turf anyway from the rain. On top of that, if you apply the nitrogen right before that, that is 
unnecessary and it unnecessarily increases the risk of water quality impairment. Travis makes a great point um, about watching when it rains when it comes to fertilizer, especially nitrogen, um, because certain constituents or nutrients, and nitrogen being one of them, are really mobile with water. And that just means that when it rains, if it rains a lot and we actually have runoff, that instead of those nutrients uh, getting to our plants, they're actually being carried away with the water um, and heading on down to our streams and our reservoirs. Yeah, it's kind of a delicate balance of having those nutrients available. You need adequate soil moisture for the plants to uptake those nutrients, but too much moisture and you have an excess and we get leaching and runoff. Yeah, so it's really important, I think, when you're um, getting ready to add those inputs or fertilizer to pay attention to the rain and not just if it's going to rain, but how much they think it's going to rain and how intense or how fast that rain's going to be. Because if it's really, really heavy, um, hard downpour, it's going to take time for the ground to soak up that water and it can't do it all that at once. The moisture in the soil is the second factor that is included. So it's the magnitude and the intensity of the rainfall and the existing soil moisture that really um, drive the bus, if you will, of nutrient runoff or water runoff of, off of surfaces. So if the existing soil moisture, what we refer to as, as fill capacity, if it's at fill capacity, then it's sufficient for nutrient uptake and it's, uh, plant uptake and it's sufficient for any um, reactions that are necessary for urea to become plant available. So we mentioned that um, Travis also focuses on sports turf and um, you know the nutrient requirements of sports turf or how sports turf is managed may be quite different than how we manage our home lawns. With sport turf particularly, what I would say about nutrients is that the nutrient requirement of sport turf often uh, is very, very different than normal turf grass management um, conditions or procedures because in, uh, under normal turf grass, uh, uh, normal sport turf conditions, sport turf managers are often constantly in a state of reestablishing that turf. So when we, when we establish new turf, let's take um, bent grass or Bermuda, which is a creeping sort of grass relative to say the tall fescues. These grasses, and, and that's usually what's on the case on the, on the, on the fields with sport turf, is, is, a, is a Bermuda or, or a bent sort of creeping grass, okay? When we establish those turfs, we have a very different nutrient management program to do a rapid establishment and keep, get it grown in as fast as possible. Um, and when, when, we're, when we have well-established sport turf, and we have 300-pound linemen running up and down it, and we have lacrosse is really bad, soccer, you know, when we have these people running up and down these fields constantly in the middle of, the, of the, what we call the centers of the sport turf, that turf is getting beat and tore and ripped. And it's, and it's essentially the same condition as reestablish or uh, the initial establishment. So it needs more help. It needs more food essentially to grow at a faster rate than what we would probably want in our home lawns. So at that, that faster rate comes with the application of nitrogen. But when it comes to football or soccer or baseball or horse racing, it's the safety of the field that is paramount that, that in turn increases the safety to the players. You know, we get a broken, you know, tore ACL or a broken knee or a horse um, breaks his leg or whatever. That's millions of dollars in losses to an animal um, that um, the risk could have potentially been reduced if the, if the turf 
um, was uh, you know more well established. So it's the safety. It's a safety thing, not just okay. of aesthetics at all. Safety is one of those things that Travis mentions about turf that we don't really have to think about the same way for our front yards or our backyards, for that matter. Um, because when you think about you know uh, whether it be adults or kids playing on turf. Uh, they're usually doing a lot of running, a lot of hard cutting and things like that. And so he makes some great points about needing that turf or that grass to be really strong to be able to handle that. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's not really, the safety part's not something I had thought much about. But now my son is playing soccer and, and they also fall down a lot. Um, and so, um, you know, in, in some sports that's the, the focus and in soccer maybe it's not the focus, but it certainly happens. So, you know, having that safety, um, you know, facet is also really important. But, you know, he also mentioned um, horse turf tracks. And in Kentucky, um, horses are a big deal. And having, you know, those sports fields being safe is also a really important aspect. So I think the, um, you know, some of the, the last thoughts that, that, that Travis shared with us is, is really about expectations. And so again, whether those expectations are what you want your lawn to look like or how you want your sports field to perform, um, those, are, those expectations are really gonna be partially what drives your decisions. Um, but we also hope that an environmental concern will also drive how we manage our lawns and turf grass. Give it the, the necessary resources necessary. And that could be light, that could be water, that could be nutrients. Give it the necessary resources that it needs to meet your expectations and no more. But if you desire a higher quality lawn, give it what it needs to meet your expectation and then stop. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of KYH2O. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, and we invite you to subscribe and review us. You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KY H2O.